Welcome to the Grumpire Podcast. Good evening, LB. Hello, Andrew. The forces of evil are upon us. Are they? Yes. It is, of course, a spooky time. What a great time to plug something for the gift-giving season. tpublic.com slash user slash grumpire. That's where you can get cool merchandise. Artwork that is featured on the website grumpire.com. Do you mean ghoul merchandise? I do indeed mean ghoul. For instance, a very new killer clowns from outer space design, which is very ironically presented as a shirt. So if you like any of those ghoulish images on the website grumpire.com, please point your cursor to the Tea Public shop and purchase yourself or a loved one for the holidays, perhaps a shirt. A shirt that will cast out the evil. Which would be just being nude. <laughs> Which is not necessarily evil, but it's not proper out in the world. So our shirts shall help you with that endeavor. So who do we have on our show, LB? Today we have Cowboy Coder. Who, pray tell, is Cowboy Coder? Cowboy Coder is not so much an evildoer, but he is a a former programmer who is now venturing into the music world, which might be evil. He's a cohort of MC Lance, who was previously on an episode this year! Yes, <laughs> MC Lars did our half-baked episode. Um, it's not like half-baked. You can check that out. It's really fun. Yeah, Cowboy Coder is now diving into the world of, I guess, nerdcore rap? Ooh, it is evil! <laughs> I jest. Yeah. For what I'm doing right here is rather nerdy. You know, I'm not saying nerd is an insult when describing Cowboy Coder because he seems like a nerd, like as far as like, you know, he knows about computers, but also he's really into philosophy, which we get into a bit. So yeah, he's a smart dude and he's got a brand new album out. You can check that out on Spotify. Evil! It's called Code Rage. I mean, you can check it out in other places than Spotify, but it is on Spotify, and that's an easy place for a lot of people. But it's called Code Rage. It is a concept album, I would say. Indeed. But, Andrew. Yes? With all this trickery that you're doing... How is this trickery? We're playing a trick on everyone because... (laughs) This is not a Halloween episode, but we're calling it a Halloween episode because we're like that. The most spooky time of the year. (laughs) Halloween is... Every day, including Christmas. Cowboy Coder, how do you not like Die Hard? It's a spectacular adventure of escape and rescue. It's towering. It's explosive. It's one night of blazing suspense. 40 stories high. Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Rated R. I know. Isn't that horrible? It's it's a sin against humanity. <laughs> <laughs> it, there, there's so many things that, like when I first saw the movie, I was just like, oh my God, this is like horrendous. And then like everybody that I know that saw it was like, this is the most amazing movie ever. And of course it turns in. <laughs> when did you see it? Oh gosh. Yeah. Back uh, when it came out. Um when was it? The okay. 80s? 1988? 88. Something like that. 
So like, I, I was in like high school at the time. And, and what was so funny though, right? Like you're like, oh God, that was such a horrible movie. I hope it's just like goes away. But no, it turns into a whole franchise, right? <laughs> they've got <laughs> to, you know, make this formulaic thing and repeat it over and over and over. And of course, you know, all my friends are like, these are the best movies ever. But yeah. Now, have you seen all of the movies yet? I haven't seen all of them, but sometimes, you know, I would somehow get wrapped into watching one for some strange reason. I'd be like, not this again, please. <laughs> so the, the fan consensus is that one and three are the only ones worth watching. But I actually yeah. quite like four. I like four, the unrated cut, because it's a bit more... Uh, it, it doesn't go for the PG-13 unrealistic. Not that we need realistic death. Right. But like you need a little bit of believable impact. And yeah. so it's get, it, the unrated version has the believable impact. Right. And the, the final one is just absolutely dumb. Is it? It just but, goes off the yeah. rails. They double down it's, on everything okay, that was wrong uh, in the other ones. <laughs> well, well, what it is is it's so self-aware. Like he's in Russia and he meets his son who is now some total merc type dude and he helps his son on some sort of mission thing in russia yeah. and he wow. shows up and he does this wink and a nod to a russian cabbie and he says hi it's me again as if the cabbie <laughs> knows but the cabbie is a surrogate for the audience so it's like right it's really dumb the yeah. script is dumb yeah. there's, there's the concept the, the cabbie is... isn't a reprisal of the limo driver no, no it's Why right. russian do that? guy yeah, <laughs> they should have done that. And yeah. see, like that's that's kind of my that's kind of like my problem with the whole movie too, because there's there's so many pieces like that. Like even the opening scene in the original movie, I just thought was like the advice he gives him, like, oh, you know how to you know deal with air travel? You got to go to the hotel room and take off your shoes. I'm like, how does that help you in the plane? Like it just I, seems yeah, like the most that. absurd <laughs> advice, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, and I've seen this movie plenty of times over the years, but I haven't seen it in many years. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I watched that for this, and yeah. that advice part, LB and I looked at each other and we were like, what, is that, <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that mean? Right, and that's what gets me about this whole movie. There's so many, like, nonsensical aspects to it, that I'm just like, oh, God. And it, it's just like one thing. Like, after that, he gets in a limo, and he's in the front seat. I'm like, what? Well, no, that's a New York thing. Come on. Is you got to give him okay. that. He's, he's just but he's a in LA, working right? man. <laughs> yeah, he's in L.A. He just, he's not going to be driven around. That's for hoity-toities. He's a, he's a working cop. I got you. So, that's character okay. development. Uh, also, yeah, also what you're going to get is if there is a little bit of pushback, we're going to push back, but yeah. we're not going to be mean about any of it. So, yeah. But that's it. That's it. I, th I thought that was a funny little thing. Yeah. Because... Heck no, you're not going to drive him around. <laughs> it's just funny. Wouldn't you want to sit up front? <laughs> no. I don't know. If I'm going to live him, no. I'm, I'm, I'm popping no. the champagne in the back. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm living large. Yeah. But yeah, those are like just some of the things in the movie that I'm just like, oh my gosh. And it's also like just very formulaic. Mm. One of the things that kind of cracks me up is the terrorists. Like, why are they doing this? Oh, because the Nakatimo corporation is deceitful and greedy right so it's like a weird like okay who's wait who's the bad guy here <laughs> like you know like the are you supposed to sympathize with them because they're going after a greedy corporation and so it's just like one of these weird yeah. things that it's in the movie and i just feel like there's all kinds of weird stuff like that 
the, the plot is just all over the place. And the weird thing is, like, I actually think, like, Bruce Willis and uh, Alan Rickman, like, they did a good job with what they had in front of them. But I just think, like, the plot just, I think, had, there were just way too many holes in it and just all kinds of nonsensical stuff happening throughout the movie. I just, I couldn't get behind, uh, you know, the gratuitous violence and uh, explosions just couldn't bring me on board to, to <laughs> like the movie enough for all the nonsense that is going on. You know, I hadn't seen this in, in many years. Uh-huh. And I don't even remember when I actually saw it the first time, but I was a kid when it came out it was 88 so i was seven so uh, it was not appropriate for me to watch as a seven-year-old but i'm sure i watched it at some point in, during my teen years i i don't really know but it's been long enough that my idea of it is uh, way different than how it actually is so right i definitely remembered hans gruber just being like a lot more i don't know maniacal or like comical right. as a villain uh-huh. but he's like kind of based in a sort of reality like he's like really kind of grounded as a bad guy right and then john mcclain is so obnoxious <laughs> and like yeah. i don't i don't remember him being so obnoxious like when he talks to himself and stuff like that right. like it's hilarious it, it is right and, you go that, i'm glad you point that out because i i feel that way too if i ever you know because i did have to wa- rewatch it for this i kind of punished myself right by choosing the movie <laughs> but yeah i felt the same way of like uh he's annoying as a character and and just the soliloquies that are like to no, go nowhere uh-huh. it's just you're right he's a very hollow character <laughs> yeah yes do you um do you remember the, the ben stiller show from i don't know the, the early 94. 90s yeah yeah 94 ben stiller does a, a really great impression it's of like die hard 15 john, john mcclain <laughs> oh, yeah yeah this kid is an imagining of of die hard 15 and it, it takes place in a grocery store so it's really funny but <laughs> yeah, during um, christmas of course <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> and uh, his his impression of John McClane is just, it's spot on. It's like, you know, it's supposed to be parody, but it's actually just like exactly like the movie. <laughs> so. Right. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. And New York cop John McClane is shopping with his wife. California. Everyone on their floor must now. Attention shopper. For the next 10 minutes, we will have a special offer. $2 million in Christmas coupons in exchange for your life. That's Vadania and Chuck. What country is this guy from? They're as brilliant as they are ruthless. I want the Christmas coupon. Beat me. Bon appetit, Mr. Zippo. But he's very cunning. Find him! Paper or plastic, you son of a... They say lightning can't strike 12 times. But don't tell him. Hey, fellas, gotta eat your greens! Who the hell is this guy? Who are you? You're very annoying. I got news for you, pal. That's what the people pay to see. Bruce Willis. (laughs) You just destroyed an entire deli section, mister! What do you think I'm doing here? Comparison shopping, huh? What does he think he's doing? His job. Scum check, L6. He's alone. He's tired. The food is rotten. The bathroom is locked. Oh. And he's running out of one-liners. Think, damn it, think. Sorry to pick on you guys. <laughs> yeah. Your coincidental appearance at every terrorist attack on Christmas Eve grows tiresome, Mr. Black Boy. 
Shut up! Come to the store, we'll go shopping, we'll get a Christmas turkey. Die Hard 12. Die Hungry. How could the same thing happen to the same guy so many times? Bruce Willis, Die Hard 12. Coming this Christmas to theaters everywhere. I've got to go back and rewatch that. Yeah, I've probably seen it. Yeah. But that's awesome. So is this the first movie, it's the first movie I recall, but is this the first movie to feature kneecap explosions? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think so. I think so. And, and definitely uh, ho, ho, ho on a bloody t-shirt or no. something. Yeah, now I have a machine. I have a machine gun now. <laughs> exactly. Now, now, are you uh, of the camp, this is stupid, are you of the camp that this is a Christmas movie or this isn't a Christmas movie? Which, I, I, which camp are you in? I do not think it's a Christmas movie. I, I, I think it's it has Christmas as a background, but it's not a Christmas mm-hmm. movie, in my opinion. But Okay, let's say once he reunites with his wife at the end, it's a holly jolly Christmas, this time of the year, or whatever. <laughs> right. It's this unity, this reuniting, and then they were all, already on the outs, and now they're not because, as Speed told us, an adventure will bring two people together, sort of. I mean, <laughs> right. And the sequel to Speed said, like, after the adventure, now they break up. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what happens in Die Hard 2. <laughs> They're <laughs> broken up, I think. Yeah. Something like that. They're back on the outs. It's so weird to me. I really think how it became like a Christmas movie was like a bunch of dudes who were like, I know, uh, Die Hard takes place at Christmas. Instead of watching Elf for 30 times in a row, let's watch Die Hard. Well, think- you got to yeah. have movies for guys who like movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, TNT. Yeah, it's seriously like it came out of like a, an old article on Crack.com. Yeah. Know, like, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Like, like that's the kind of attitude that these people have. But like, I don't even understand why that's an argument. Like, why is that a hill that you're going to die on? Right. Why do you care that much? Like, either way, honestly. Yeah, it is. too, And, it, and people are very passionate about it, it seems like, for the most yeah. part. Right. <laughs> yeah. if no, it, it absolutely is a Christmas movie. You have to watch it at the holiday you know it's almost like this uh, it's like an agenda driven like i'm watching an action movie during christmas because i don't want to watch the regular you know feel good ones yeah. or whatever yeah it's christmas adjacent <laughs> there you go <laughs> it definitely has it as the background right like I, so I, I do give them that but i think when you look at what is a Christmas movie? To me, it has to be so intertwined with Christmas time that you can't, if you removed it, everything would fall apart. And I don't think that happens mm. with Die Hard. It's like, mm. that could have been Halloween that he was going to a Halloween party or something, and Christmas didn't really have a whole lot to do with it. Now, have you heard of a movie and a novel called The Detective? No, I haven't heard of that one. All right, so the, the novel is... It's a 1966 novel, and I think in 69, uh, Frank Sinatra played the detective. Uh And there was a sequel to that novel called Nothing Lasts Forever featuring Uh that same detective. And that had been shopped around Hollywood for years, decades, Uh and until the 80s when they started putting it in the high gear. You had a super old (laughs) Frank Sinatra who wasn't going to do it. So they rewrote it, and it became Die Hard. A similar plot. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. I Very similar plot, but it's it's the bones. And it uh-huh. is also set on Christmas Eve. Interesting. Interesting. I, so. 
I was also looking that up kind of prior, you know, to coming on. And one thing I saw about that too was the directors kind of wanted to throw Christmas in there because at the time it was super popular to do that to a bunch of movies. Like, oh, put it at Christmas time because then you'll get another showing of it during Christmas time mm-hmm. and hopefully over the decades and stuff. And I think financially it probably does play out that way. Also, I think the hot stuff that was happening around that time was Shane Black was writing yeah. know, like Lethal Weapon and yeah. stuff like that. And that yeah. was always Shane Black always juxtaposed his non Christmas tales during Christmas because mm-hmm. he liked Christmas as a kid. Right. And mm-hmm. I guess what you said is another a financial theory that's interesting yeah like like gremlins right yeah like gremlins exactly that, that's ex- that's exactly what they did for gremlins mm-hmm. well they they aired gremlins it came out in the summer and it just kept mm-hmm. on playing yeah yeah it just yeah. kept playing all the way Stayed. until yeah christmas. all the yeah. way to christmas yeah <laughs> i mean that back then of course there was no fast tracking to home video yet right so yeah. they would wanted to keep things in the theater as keep long it going as all yeah as long as they possibly could so that's kind of interesting but i do find that fascinating because there's a bunch of movies that are like that too that you're like that's not really a christmas movie like you said like gremlins and stuff yeah. i call them christmas not christmas movies yes yeah that's exactly so what they are. so it is set during but christmas has very little to do with it hudsucker exactly. proxy is one of them Hudsucker uh-huh. Proxy, blink and you'll miss it. Peter Gallagher's got this scene where he just sings. And it's got this minor back and forth dialogue between our main character and some investors who get mad at him. But blink and you will miss the Christmas decor. <laughs> yeah. They're not re- they're they're all white trees and white lights on it, so that's part of the reason why you'll uh, uh-huh. why you'll miss it if you blink. Briefly after that, somebody comes running up with a uh, Santa hat on, and socks the main character, but that's it. That's it. That's, the rest of yeah. it is a New Year's Eve movie. So the finale. Yeah. So Christmas, not Christmas. It's very fascinating to me because I also am um, not too fond of the holiday. Not. <laughs> Oh, well, there's a certain commercialism. Right, but right. I didn't always have fun as a kid with it. Yeah. So I don't really, I've never been a nostalgic person either. So yeah. I don't have those things. In fact, what was it, LB? When did I watch it for the first time? The um, Peanuts the, Christmas. The, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, that was just like two or three years ago. Yeah, it wasn't last year. It was time. like the, the other. Yeah. And, and then I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, did I like it or uh, did I hate it? Was it was I indifferent? I don't really remember. No, you really you you liked it because you were like, "Wow, Charlie Brown is me." Okay, yeah, that's it. So I just haven't seen it since, you know. So <laughs> I yeah. don't have a memory of it. <laughs> but, but yeah, Christmas, not Christmas, are most appealing to me. Mm-hmm. So this one doesn't really hurt. I'm not I'm not so sure why you don't like it. <laughs> Really? Do you not like action movies like big action? No, movies? I do. I do like action movies. I just think I think the level of the suspension of disbelief was too far for me to kind of get there. The other thing that like drove me nuts was like these terrorists are like, oh, we know that you've got like six hundred million dollars in bearer bonds. Like, like anyone's going to really know what that is. And I'm also like, 
what terrorists are like oh i want to live off the interest of bonds you know i, I don't know it's just one of those <laughs> things i'm like this is kind of absurd and i think it's all those like little elements that just kept like gnawing at me but i do like action movies like i loved okay like the terminator series the matrix and you know those types of things and i don't know what it was i think it was just it i think those things just graded on me too much i'm like i, I can't get there i can't get there <laughs> I see why people like it because there is like an element of, you know, like it's a smash them up kind of, ah, it's the cowboy McLean. He's here to save the day, you know? And, right. Uh, yeah. I see why people would like it, but I can't get there because I'm like, there's too much nonsense in this movie for me to like it. And that's now, just what the, the sequels. Die Hard 2 is the most, not the most convoluted, but like it's most unbelievable. Is that when right? You get to, well, I mean, it's also set on Christmas and okay. it's. A kind of a rehash but it's an airport and airplane situation yeah but die hard yeah. 3 is die hard with a vengeance that's directly linked to this one so okay. if you're gonna watch one okay. you probably want to watch that one and it's also not <laughs> set during christmas okay okay maybe i'll if i'm feeling uh it's like a true part one and a part two okay the others right. are just like well, we've got a diehard situation uh let's <laughs> right. throw john mcclain back into the story <laughs> Gotcha. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like Live Free or Die Hard has a bunch of hackers involved. And I, since you're Cowboy Coder, See, what do you think yeah, about the hacking in this? I might the like first the hacking movie? side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so what about maybe, the first movie with the hacker? What do you think about that guy? Uh, in the first movie? Yeah. Where, I yeah. mean, that was all kind of definitely like 80s type stuff. I did like that aspect of it. Yeah, because like I loved war games and like all of that, you know, kind of hacker type genre if you will and i liked it that they mm -hmm. put that in the movie because i did think it was kind of cool to be like oh yeah they're gonna like use their brains to do something so <laughs> <laughs> and it's always speculative computers yeah mm -hmm. they're slightly based on reality but like, yeah yeah they're, the they're, user interface is always clunky and weird yeah it is kind of funny it always cracks me up it's, it's like an independence day when they I yeah, thought that it's was funnier hilarious. in the 90s when they they like write a virus for an alien spaceship I was like <laughs> okay and where do you where do you plug the laptop in yeah exactly I'm glad the aliens do they have like, wi-fi <laughs> right wait I'm glad they signed the contract with Microsoft right <laughs> yeah well maybe they did actually have wi-fi because area 51 there always has advanced, stole that advanced stuff and then that trickles out into our real world way later yeah so <laughs> There Maybe you go. they actually had it retrofitted a laptop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's great. Now, the Christmas aspects of it, I mean, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Now I have a machine gun or a machine right. gun now. I mean, there's Christmas definitely some great one-liners. Wait a minute. There's also some cowboy stuff here. You should like this movie. I know. Kaye, I should like you like know? I should. If there wasn't so much nonsense around it, I would like it. <laughs> Uh, but you're right. There is like, there's some great one-liners, you know, the yippee Kaye. We know how that ends. Yeah. But like, there are some great one-liners that come out of the movie and, and there's a lot of good quotes, but just not enough yeah, to get just, over the nonsense just, for me. I just really do keep on imagining Ben Stiller doing it, LB. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I know. It's just, really funny. Once you, once you see that, it'll replace it in your brain. Like, it's right. it's almost right. it's weird because Ben Stiller's impression is kind of like an impression of uh, Robert De Niro, kind of. Yeah. But you soften the the New York of Robert De Niro. You do it softer because Bruce Willis is very soft spoken. He's very right. He's very right. got I, this uh, from New York. You know, guys. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I thought he was an interesting choice, too, for him to play that. Because, like, he wasn't really all that well-known at the time. And he was more of a comedic actor. And that's something I was like, they didn't really leverage a lot of his comedic skills, if you will, in Die Hard. So I think that... Because I did like him in in Moonlighting. I loved him in that, you know, I thought he... he, Well, that's what they did. They were like, no, no, not this guy. Yeah. And then when they started getting the rushes back, they were like, wait, there's something here. Mm -hmm. They're like, see, just let's (laughs) continue doing this. Yeah. Now, the casting, they went through (laughs) major stars. Hey, you want to do this movie called Die Hard? It's, uh, (laughs) hey, Sylvester Stallone. Nope. Nope. Richard Gere. Nope. (laughs) Clint Eastwood. Harrison Ford. Burt Reynolds. (laughs) Right. Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty bad when you're going down the list like that. Mel Gibson. Don Johnson. They went to James Caan. It's wild. That's wild. Paul Newman. I think they all saw the nonsense. I did Bearer Bonds. What? I'm not doing this. <laughs> and Al Pacino. But here's the one. Oh I was going to I was gonna leave Al Pacino for last, but that's, yeah. You know, no. Yeah. No, it's Richard Dean Anderson. MacGyver. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that's just well, very strange. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well. I kind of of feel like the quality of movie would actually require MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, You know? Maybe. You know? (laughs) Just think about... Yeah. It it would have been like lots of different booby traps. I mean, he did kind of trap people here and there. But like it would be booby traps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But like also... Um, I don't see him ever as a film actor. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. What what alternate universe could we have had yeah. if Richard Dean Anderson is John McClane, becomes the action star, and is the third owner of Planet Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, like, it would be a this, wild world. That would be a crazy. It's, yeah. it, you'd go to the restroom at Planet Hollywood, and instead of a toilet paper, it would be... <laughs> Like half a torn piece of toilet paper, a matchbook, oh, no. and a <laughs> and a paper yeah. clip, and it's like figure it out. You're like, dang, <laughs> no, what do I Andrew. do? No, it would be three shells. No, that gets Stallone. I know it would be three shells uh. because it's Stallone. He would insist on it. Yeah, uh-huh. like every third Planet Hollywood would have the the Richard Dean Anderson <laughs> set up. <laughs> there you go. Wow, that's hilarious. Okay. We made a better movie. They wanted movie. Stallone, really, uh, or Schwarzenegger. They wanted the beefy dude. and nah. But I'll tell you, watching this, I'd say Bruce Willis is probably physically more in his prime at yeah. this point. And he looks like a relatable type of... I should get down to that weight. I mean, if I was 5'10 or something. I'm 6'4", mm-hmm. so I can't. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I should, I should work out more because th- he doesn't look bad. Yeah. Not for that. Yeah, what what gets me in the movie too is when he it's tank top as you watch it get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. It's kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, it's gross. But, hey, <laughs> no. the the continuity on that had to have been work. Right. Like, constantly right. taking Polaroids and figuring out. Hey, yeah. do we have another dirty tank top? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's not dirty enough. No, that's too clean. No, that's too dirty. And he's barefoot too, right? Yeah, yeah he's he, barefoot. He, that's so, one of the major I, action beats, so that, right? Shoot up the windows. Right. So that that 
airplane scene is just a setup for him being right. Barefoot that's exactly movie, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's it. That doesn't. It's, they don't need it. Yeah. They really yeah. don't need it. He should have been just like, oh, my dogs are aching. Takes mm-hmm. off and like washes his feet or something i don't know yeah exactly <laughs> it could, could have, have been anything it didn't need to be Chekhov's bare foot you know <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah if you take your shoes <laughs> yeah is that what you're getting to the Chekhov's gun yeah or, yeah. yeah so if you take your shoes yeah. off you're going to be bleeding and from your feet at some point <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. i mean just by dialogue is what i meant but yeah yeah, yeah. yes that's what i was referring to that's funny. I'm not very literary, but but I know some things. I took an <laughs> acting class once. Yeah. They talked about Chekhov's gun. <laughs> so the so, ridiculousness yeah. of it, I do think it, things mount up to a lot of bad decisions made uh, by yeah. characters. And I think for the sake of it, like the FBI guys <laughs> blow up. Right, right. Because they're not listening and they're too cocky and... Yeah, that's was there that's, a thing that's back the other then? Thing that, uh, like there is now about the FBI, but was there a thing back then about the FBI being like right? I think I think a lot of those movies back then too liked to portray like you know McLean is the everyman's hero, right? Like right. all of all of these administrators, they don't know they don't know anything, right? And uh, I think yeah. they were trying to go with that angle, and that kind of like graded me too because it was so formulaic. I was like, oh gosh, here we go again with like the hey, you know, but like, their names it, were Johnson and Johnson. That's a good joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's like the SWAT team can't save them, the chief can't save them, the FBI can't save them, but John McClane can. You know, like it was. I don't know. It's so unlikely. That's yeah. what makes it so <laughs> exhilarating. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, that was one of the weird things in there. Like the the chief, the deputy chief that comes down and is like with Powell, who's like the police officer they first send out there. And they're having like all this conflict and that whole like subplot or whatever kind of was just annoying to me because it, I did feel like it was like, here we go. Of course, he's making every wrong decision he possibly can. And he's criticizing <laughs> McLean the whole time. So you have like this. Uh-huh. He's a bad guy. He should, you know, yeah, I don't know. Paul Gleason. Yeah. Mess with yeah. the bull, you'll get the horns. That's right. That's right. I, I knew that's, yeah, from The Breakfast Club, right? I was like. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what's actually kind of cool about this movie. There's a lot of like co- really cool actors in it from other from other shows. Like Alan Rickman, too. He's in uh, Love Actually as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's se- he always plays such a great like evil person. Now, this was the thing. He wasn't that. He was just a a stage actor, and he got this offer, and he's like, I guess I'll do it. And (laughs) he got pigeonholed for a long time as the villain. As the villain. He does it so well. Prince of Thieves, right? Yeah, yeah, Prince Prince of of Thieves. Thieves. I'll cut out his heart with a spoon. Yeah. With a spoon, because it'll hurt more. (laughs) You know? And Snape, too. Wasn't he Snape? Snape, yeah. Yeah. Well, Snape isn't even a villain. Yeah. He's just he's That's just true. sinister. He, he's, he's just sinister, sinister. and he there does that go. perfectly. But yeah. also He's just goth. He's just a goth. <laughs> yeah, guy. he's just a goth, <laughs> mopey goth guy. He does his he does like various other roles of in movies that we haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, because they're kind of British and uh, for lack of a better word, <laughs> boring. But Yeah. He's played romantic leads. He's been sensitive and, and caring and kind in these other movies, but then in America yeah. he gets he, he gets these cat, roles. typecast. Yeah, like you're the bad guy. Uh, and and then Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the, forgot about the that. Very dour. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that guy, like by Grepthar's hammer. Favorite thing he's done ever. 
Yeah, it's very yeah. funny. He plays the analogous character to Spock. But yeah, uh, actually com- combined Spock and Worf because he's a violent character, but he has no emotions. Like as far as the character in Galaxy Quest, they know too much about this, yeah. and I'm not that nerdy. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's strange. So are are you are you all hated out on this Die <laughs> Hard, or I, is there I more to so. hate? I think so. I think I've got <laughs> I covered all my talking points. I guess there's what there's one other little small subplot I guess that I didn't like was uh Powell Powell, who's the officer who shows up at first, how they kind of bond with McLean. I don't know. Oh, why, why didn't you like that? I don't know. It just like seemed too forced to me. I mean he's telling him about his most shameful act, like over the yeah. airwaves. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just... Okay, I no, I, I get that. That's <laughs> yeah. a little shoehorn. It's kind of hokey and sentimental. Yeah, yeah. I think the and I, and I don't know why. So therefore it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and all the dudes rejoice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. It's Christmas stuff, there's lights, there's a party. What? What more do you need? Exactly. Bro, I, the fight about that it's not a Christmas movie or that it is a Christmas movie. I know you lean on it's not. It's right. Christmas, not Christmas. But, but like, the fight online is dumb. Right. It is I, so dumb. I agree. I agree. I just okay, think it's, so. it's, the, it's the dude agenda taking over. That's the argument. <laughs> dude, dudes need sentimentality, too. That's true. Yeah. Of which I have none. <laughs> no, I do. A little bit. Usually involving pets. Well, speaking of sentimentality, we'll we'll get into that uh, for your next movie yeah. in a moment. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think I'm done hating on Die Hard. I know I'm going right. to... This is the funny thing, though. I'm going to get more hate back at me like, you're an idiot. How <laughs> yeah. do you not like yeah. Die Hard? <laughs> no, this, it's great. I like that you... I kind of can't stand that you picked... Whatever. But I like that you picked... I like what you've done here because... You like that. <laughs> You put us up against yes, you put us up against some sort of ropes, and it's kind of fun to wriggle out from right. You know, all of your body blows here. Yeah, Uh, I got a block. I got a duck. (laughs) I hear you, and it's nice. It's it's fun actually. Cool, fun discourse. On our website, we have in the past done a series of articles around Christmas time. We call them humbug. Uh Yeah, that was my idea. That was my idea. And then I hated it. I hated it because I had to draw a bunch of Christmas stuff. You hated drawing for it. Right. It's it's the the idea is, you know, we just write an essay about a beloved Christmas movie that just irks us for whatever reason. Uh And like on 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 that list of potentials is always die hard, but we haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, but yeah. So (laughs) eventually maybe (laughs) Well maybe I gave you some fuel for the fire there to (laughs) 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 talk about all the nonsense in Die Hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, we'll come back to that though. <laughs> yeah. So okay, let's talk about uh, your record yeah. that you're you've got going. What? Oh my god! How can someone write code like this? No documented options. I think I'm gonna lose my mind. This code doesn't really make any sense. It's like a novel from the future written in the past tense. It loops and loops until the end of time. It's even got a tab at the end of every line. Looking at this code really hurts my head. Looking at this code really makes me see red. When it comes to sloppy code, you can count on ten. Somebody hit the kill switch, cause this code should be dead. Code rage, code rage up in my head. Code 
that's something that pisses me off for sure. So that that was your song called Code Rage. Yeah. Not Code Red. That's right. Not Code but, Red. Not Code but, Red. But not Code Red. But yeah. it could be adapted. Code it could be a jingle. Yeah. It turned into a Mountain Dew. Hey, think about that. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's Because also the, coders the sequel. <laughs> coders stay up late all night. Yeah. Right? So obviously the inspiration for the song was uh, coding and it's something i'm not too familiar with i barely know any html so like what's really the inspiration behind the song i don't get it because i'm dumb right so basically there's a lot of layers to really like the whole album and it kind of goes through about how coding is a metaphor for life and so it's really all about when things kind of build up to a point where you just can't take it anymore and you're filled with rage. And from a coder's perspective, this definitely happens when you're interacting with other people's code and you can't get things to work. And so like, that's kind of the inspiration for Code Rage, that the song and the, and the whole album is kind of, this is the pinnacle of that tension within the album, if you will. And, and it does okay. get resolved if you, as you go through the album. It's kind of like a three-act play if you look at the album itself because the first four songs are all about personal experiences and shared connections with Crypto's Go Pop and Lano Estacado is very personal to me and the Rona Blues, like a shared experience of humanity. And then in the middle part of it, all this tension builds up and Code Rage is the pinnacle of that tension. And then in the third act, things get resolved and that tension is kind of released and dealt with in philosophical songs like Dreamscapes. But the song itself was like so much fun and that's really what it was. It was just like an inspiration. It was kind of getting back to some of my roots in music too, like kind of, it's got like, definitely a Ramones punks type style to it. And it was just so much fun to like go out and resolve all that tension in nature as well. Like that's one of the things in the video, the concept of like the tension between nature and technology or mankind, if you will, and how that kind of like has to resolve itself in some way. And that's why we've got all the, the beautiful nature scenes there and everything. So... So that's kind of like the grand overview of the, of the album and that song in particular is, is just, it's kind of focused on, on developers in particular, but I hope anyone right. can connect with that feeling of like, I'm working with technology that doesn't work or. Yeah. Oh, right. Should, All the time. Yeah. Uh, especially course. streaming services. Yes. Yeah, for, exactly. For me, <laughs> for me anyway, streaming yeah. services are always lagging or like, this should be yeah. high def. Why is it 480? Right. Why is it yeah. looking pixelated? <laughs> exactly. You know. Well, I mean, like any office environment, like you, you have to deal with like, why is this printer not on the network or, you know, whatever. Yes. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is relate. It is relatable. And that, that's why I told Andrew, I was like, this song is actually very relatable. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it has specifics to, you know, being a code writer and, and all that. Right. But the video in which you're just like smashing monitors yeah. and stuff. I mean, we've all, we've all wanted to do that. Right, yeah. right. We've all had that <laughs> feeling of like, why is this technology against me, right? Like, right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I think it's too full, my, my iPad. So I keep on having to delete stuff in order for things to work yeah. right yep. while I'm drawing, mm-hmm. you know. I know, yep, I know that feeling too. But that's all surface user stuff not the right. behind the scenes coding stuff which is the stuff i really actually don't really understand it's all right. kind of like math math language to me even though it's not necessarily math right but it, it, it works that way in my brain i'm dyscalculus so anything uh, that wow. yeah so if Never anything that. that's like that it's like dyslexia okay but it's with math so with, math. with okay. complex more com- complex math so if it looks kind of like math <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm gonna like my brain's gonna go look. No, you're gonna no. <laughs> right. Go, go you're away. Not gonna go over there. This. <laughs> it does not compute. Don't even right? try. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I totally get it. And that's and that's the weird thing about coding. It's it's part art and it's part science. And it's it's something that like yeah I think a lot of people are really challenged with it because it's it's very abstract and it does mm-hmm. have very very technical things that cannot be you know misinterpreted if you will right like mm-hmm. the art aspect of it is more around how do you get things like there might be a big challenge in front of you that it, it almost seems impossible to solve and those are like the mm-hmm. funnest problems to solve when you're coding because it's like I don't think this is possible and when you start to feel that you know that it's all software and it, there is a solution you just have to tap into it and that's like where the art aspect of it comes right yeah it's just like any uh, any other language where you can you can make beautiful things out exactly. of it exactly yep do you ever just think in code i i have before and and that's what um i have a song on the album actually called dreamscapes and that's kind of what that's about uh-huh. I, yeah i used to um i would fall asleep like if i had a problem like that like that's what i think is like one of the coolest experiences you run into a problem and you'll be like i just don't think this is solvable this is just like and, and you get really frustrated and i'm like you know what i'm gonna go take a nap <laughs> see what happens and sometimes i would take a nap and i would dream the solution it would just come to me mm-hmm. and i'd wake up and i'd be like i've got it and then i would go and that's awesome yeah You're regular david lynch <laughs> <That's right. laughs> except except he does it with movies right yeah mm-hmm. and i do it with coding and uh so that's kind of like a cool aspect of it and i hope that people can tap into that too and that's where like i was saying like in the third part of the album it's all more philosophical and it's more about how do we find solution how do we re- resolve this tension of code rage you know yeah yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And you worked a little bit with MC Lars on this. Yeah, I did. It was it was great collaborating with him. In fact, he was really like a true inspiration to me because I always had a block for writing music because uh, when I was in high school, I, t- I tried to write originals. I was in a cover band and I just found it all, it was so hard. It was so difficult. And he kind of gave me like the the light bulb moment of you know Mm. like connecting the lyrics to the rhythm and like if you can do that then everything should flow together and he was right like all the songs i wrote kind of followed that paradigm once he kind of like laid it out and and he was he was great to collaborate with and he's on one of the songs in the album too called third generation which is a concept song which is all about the evolution of code and the song itself actually evolves. So each of the time periods for like the generations of code are matching to a specific genre of music at the same time. And they kind of like mash all together at the very end. So when I told Lars that that concept, he was like, okay, that's really ambitious, but let's see what happens. And it, it came out great because he's such a great collaborator. He has a very, you know, keen artistic sense of how to bring things together i love that song because of that and yeah he was amazing to collaborate on with this yeah um i haven't done anything with him i'm not that level (laughs) right right (laughs) but but uh but yeah i i understand that about how how music works and doesn't right having done a little bit but yeah lars is uh mc lars 
Andrew. He's got right. my name. I yep. want it back. Yep. No, he's got MC <laughs> Lars. I am Jemetsko, which doesn't make any sense. Jemetsko <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But yeah, he's really nice. He's a pleasant person. Very he pleasant. Is. And he is. And he went for he went for two movies that we were like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you're like right? kind of you're yeah. kind of yeah, yeah you're you're doing a similar thing to him where we're like, what? Right. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes we'll get some suggestions that are so barely linked. Uh-huh. Now this has two links, right? You you have yeah. Christmas, right? And you have Alan Rickman. And Alan Rickman, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, correct. So, what's your alternate here? I mean, you already kind of spilled the beans right, earlier. Right, right. It's kind of funny. Like, the whole... I get... I totally get... The Christmas debate one is a little bit more tenuous here, if you will. Like, I can totally see why people would say Love Actually is definitely a Christmas movie. Merry Christmas. The holiday season. It's the perfect time of year to find the one you love. Christmas is time to do something about it. Like what? And tell them exactly how you feel. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll always regret it if you don't. Don't let the holidays go by without love, actually. Hello? Rated R. Because it's interwoven through a lot of the whole... Fest- festive. The whole plot. It's very festive. It. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, so maybe we would go with Alan Rickman as the connection there, I guess. But, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, I love Love Actually because it's it's one of those movies. It's like one of those rare movies. Like when I like when I watched Forrest Gump, I was like, I like this movie, but I don't know why. I felt this. I felt the same way with Love Actually. I'm like. I like this movie, but I'm not quite sure I understand why. And then you start dissecting it down a little bit and you start to understand, oh, there's some really cool philosophical ideas in this movie. Like, you know, we're all connected through love. And that's how, because the plot of Love Actually is really bold and daring when I saw it, because I was like, wow, they're going all over the place, right? There's all these different characters. There's these different subplots and they don't seem like they're all really that connected. But in the end, they are just like we're all connected by love. Right. And so I just think that's like a cool philosophical thing when you start to think about it. And and of course, the musical element, too. I love music. And I think the musical elements in that movie kind of represent love as well. And the whole Billy Mac writing the Christmas song for like one of his old hits, uh, I thought was Uh kind of a funny, you know, thing to kind of bring it all together. There are 31 (laughs) characters in this. Yeah. Isn't that that crazy? And it's all over the place, right? Like it's hard to the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't think I understand everything that just happened. (laughs) But in the end, that's too many people. There's too many people, exactly. But in the that's, end, that's you have actually that, why it's so long. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. Very long movie. It is a very long movie. But that's the weird thing about it because I honestly, I think I got lost in several. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, I don't know where that plot went to or why it's important or whatever. But at the end, you have that feel-good feeling that you have with Christmas movies and all that. And I was feeling it, but I was like, I don't know why I'm feeling it. Like, and then when you sit back and you reflect on it a little bit, you see how it's got some really deep philosophical things in there. And I love how it wasn't, the representation of love wasn't just this nice, beautiful, comforting sort of love. There was all kinds of like really messy love, unrequited love. Yeah, there's two unrequited loves. Yeah, yeah. There's the POTUS, Billy Bob. Yeah. And then there's Mark (laughs) and Juliet. Yep. Those are the ones that are unrequited. Everybody else who 
is um, kind of like going for it. Right. Pretty much lands it. Right. But then there's other links that are just friendship or professional or family. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, like Billy Mac. That's like the love of your music or the love of that's your work friendship. and friendship. Yeah. And there is there is interrupted love too, right? With uh, Sarah and Carl, they kind of I guess they kind of get together in the end. But I but I thought that was touching on unrequited, but it resolves itself. So that was kind of an interesting one too. Now, um, what's your favorite? Uh, because this type of movie, yes. it is actually sort of episodic. Uh-huh. It's vignettes, if you will, and then they right. do link. So yeah. this type of movie, you can pick favorite couplings or favorite favorite stories. Right. What's your favorite story? That's a great question. For me, I think it's um, Jamie and Ariella. You know, he goes to the wedding. He comes home and his brother is sleeping with his girlfriend. So he goes off to the French cottage and he meets the Portuguese housekeeper, Aurelia. That's and Colin Firth. Elder. Yes, Colin Firth. Correct. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And okay. and I I don't know. There's something like it's to me. It kind of represents like like love as a universal thing, even though they have this language barrier. And that's one thing I'm struggling with too down here in Puerto Rico. I'm trying to learn Spanish, so like I relate mm-hmm. to that on so many different levels now. <laughs> like how hard that is. Yeah. You're finding lots of love down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you relate. <laughs> I relate. Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Learning a language yeah. is so hard, especially as like you get older. It is yeah. so hard because no, you can't get that that yeah, elastic you're, brain. Right, your yeah, elasticity yeah, yeah. ain't right. Right, that's why I never. We have that too because we live in um, South Texas. Super we're south, on, so we're like yeah, yeah. We're on the Mexican border. Oh, so. Wow. so like, if you draw it's, a line on the map from us to florida you'll hit miami that's how low we are that's how low you are wow okay yeah yeah yeah. and uh you know there's a lot of spanish-speaking people here and it doesn't really present a problem usually but like Mm -hmm. it it is really hard because you know you you would like to be able to communicate with people yeah (laughs) you know so i feel you on that right it is now, yeah, LB, so. do you have a favorite story in this? I, I'm pretty cynical, so like I like Bill Nye's character, the Billy Mac, the singer. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's rude and and funny, and <laughs> that that tickles me. But uh, I don't know. As far as like a heartwarming type of thing or a nope. Um, nope. I just said favorite. I didn't say favorite. Oh okay, well, I don't why? know. <laughs> <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do like the the Hugh Grant story with his uh, I don't know intern. I don't know who she is. Oh yeah, which one was that? Uh, was that Natalie? I think. But I know who you're talking about. Yes. The, the, that's yeah. yeah. That's the fairy tale princess her. type love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she's always like called fat, up. but she's not. Yeah. Particularly she's not. fat. I mean, Right. I mean, she's the same. If you want to call Monica Lewinsky fat, which I mean, she's not. Right. She, they're just no- normal women. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's. Hey, do you think that's an, an illusion analog to that the- I think so. And when Billy Bob, as the, the president, comes over, like you think I, that's I really, I think it is a play on. Yeah. Okay, Clinton. Yeah, it's like. Uh, yeah, especially since it's Billy he's Bob Clinton. being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Clinton. Hugh Grant is Tony Blair. She's Lewinsky. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but right. I like Monica Lewinsky a lot, actually. We'll sidestep that. Anyway. That's I'd love to hear that story sometime. <laughs> <laughs> the virtues of Monica Lewinsky. That'd be a great segment. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's this cool lady. Like, yeah. Like, I, 
she bounced back from that and yeah was, i mean she had the whole really nation on her mm-hmm. when she was so young yeah i yeah mm-hmm. i don't think people realize how hard that must have been for someone to go through yeah you know exactly yeah and she's able to joke about it yeah now, which is amazing so kudos yeah. to her yeah so <laughs> so uh mine what's is your what's your favorite andrew liam yeah. neeson the widower and his stepson oh uh, yeah Sam. so yeah. that to me just has the loneliest feel and mm-hmm. there's something attractive about loneliness to me uh melancholy i have this baseline that's kind of just my mom would be like what's wrong and i'm like there's nothing wrong i'm absolutely fine like keanu reeves sitting there is eating a sandwich they take a snapshot <laughs> of him and everybody's like he's so depressed and then you're like he's like i'm not depressed i'm absolutely fine i just don't i just don't beam all the time it's yeah. it's impossible to keep that level of serotonin and dopamine going so i'm just at this even cool most of the time but then like there's things that'll push me one way or the other for my emotional output and i'll i'll be rather energetic about it but it also so happens that my family's not that funny so (laughs) i don't really (laughs) laugh that much around them but things will make me laugh and like lb earlier she said some comment this is not going to make any sense to anybody but the the phrase was bingo bongo and i (laughs) burst into hysterics it it was the funniest thing yeah it was funniest we'll tell you later (laughs) <laughs> Funniest thing I heard all week, and it, I just made this really awkward, high, shrill laugh that I, it was like the first time I ever laughed that way, too. So anyway, um, I'm, not, I'm saying I'm not an emotionless robot. I am just usually even. But my even is like, I love the summer, but I also love uh, overcast days. It's like that at okay. the same time. Yeah, I'm holding yeah. both. I'm holding both at the same time. And that's what the Liam Neeson story feels like especially in the resolve i can see it feels it feels nice and it feels a little sad and i don't have a problem with that kind of sadness because that sadness is steeped in love right right that's cool that's really deep and so that's my favorite story of this whole thing what kind of love would you classify that as then would you just say melancholy love or well his wife died right so right he's got that sadness and longing and he's not trying to necessarily hook up with anybody else even though that the bow is like claudia schiffer shows up (laughs) right right (laughs) (laughs) right so so i I mean he's that's just a i guess that's a punchline, right yeah I mean, I love that. I don't I love know that what st- kind of love it is. Just- yeah, I love that storyline too because I think it's really cool that he kind of convinces. You know, he's he's telling his son like, "Go tell her that your feelings. You know, you will never. You'll probably never get another chance." And in doing so, that's how he ends up meeting the the mother of the girl that he has a crush on. And I, I just thought, wow, that's kind of cool. And I don't know if you would call that serendipitous or whatever, but I just love that aspect yeah. of it. Like he's helping his son. And by the act of helping his son, he helps himself. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't think this movie definitely works in all the ways. Mm-hmm. Like the stand-ins, the body doubles. Right, right. That what, is an odd what? one that's there, right? Is that it? That's no, I, I don't mind them being naked. I don't mind that at all. But it's considered a porno film. Yeah. <laughs> that and what is this? This is not 1979 Caligula. This <laughs> is which Caligula was taken away from uh, at certain points from Tinto Brass, who was just shooting an erotic film, and mm-hmm. Bob Guccione swept in, shot some actual porn scenes with <laughs> local talent, as it were. 
and <laughs> made the thing absolutely filthy. Right. I can understand if this was an erotic film that they were on the set of. An erotic right. romance or thriller or something being body doubles. I, that what adult film, let's call it that, <laughs> but we know what we're talking about, has that much production value. Right. Where they right. need to light bodies and set up scenes. Nobody cares about that. And it's, what, 2003? This was the era of handheld video camera. Pro, right. Pro-am <laughs> video cameras. And the internet was starting to, well, had already gotten a hold of that. Nobody was making budgeted films. So what are they talking about? (laughs) It is bizarre. That's what happens in my head when I I see this scene. I'm not thinking, oh, they're naked. (laughs) I'm thinking, like, what are you... (laughs) Right. Why do they have a gaffer? (laughs) (laughs) I love how they make it so casual, too. They're just like, I I really like you because I can chat with you or whatever. (laughs) It's like while they're naked in bed. I mean, that's the conceit. That's what you want. You want that like casual cavalier thing. They didn't need to make it a porno. Right. Just a highbrow, typical British for an adult audience movie. because they do that all the time their tv is naked all over the place right their tv shows yeah so like yeah (laughs) sorry i just imagined doctor who naked (laughs) um peter cushing doctor who uh no the the one with the curly hair tom i forget his name i don't know i don't know i'm not nerdy i keep saying it but people don't believe it (laughs) they don't they're all oh yeah right i'm like i'm I'm born in 1974 and i understand the world around me somewhat i can speak the language doesn't make me one of them doesn't make me one of them i hear you martin freeman's cute though andrew he's a hobbit oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah they They have feet lb hates feet so the nerd stuff just keeps on coming hobbits have big feet and you're not not into the feet thing she's got an anti-fetish no. anti-foot fetish yeah yeah so, ugh, he's now disgusting <laughs> i could totally get that <laughs> feet are gross i know they are it is weird that that is a fetish but i guess everybody has their mm-hmm. things in life but but yeah, it's a weird thing because I agree. It's like feet are always on the floor. They're always touching things that are nasty. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. But. Mm-hmm. All right. So we linked the two movies directly yes. other than Christmas with Alan Rickman. Yeah. Now he's got this uh, hot to trot lady at work who's just constantly pushing. Yeah workplace harassment yeah yeah and i think this is a male fantasy uh, this movie is full of male fantasy I, I, but totally. yeah totally i think this is a male fantasy element of it where the lady's just really pushing on him right when he's like i don't know what to do uh, yeah you and know? the the weird thing about it too is like i I'm mean they married keep, though right they, and they keep it really ambiguous like it's, it's is it just a flirtatious love have they actually hooked up have they, is he just gonna buy her something just because she keeps flirting with him and she actually is like buy me something for christmas so he's like wow she's really interested so i'm gonna take it to that next level or whatever is she really that into him though or does she just want a sugar daddy that's the age-old question that's the paradox i guess of the male fantasy with that right it's like you you want someone mm-hmm. who's like in your workplace that's like really into you but do you really because it's all about money in the workplace for the most part and it's mm-hmm. like is she just after him for his money and that's that's what makes it so tragic too right because it's like he's risking his whole marriage over something kind of silly at work right you know something frivolous yeah yeah i guess i mean i guess that is a thing you know the the money and power situation where girls just want stuff but i mean like i feel kind of 
I feel kind of sexist like saying that, <laughs> but, right. but it, it it is a thing that happens. So we have to acknowledge right. it. Yeah, it yeah. Happen, happens all the time on the internet, even with um, the concept the, of simping. Yeah, simping. the concept yeah. of simping. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I find fascinating about our current culture, right? Because they found a way to monetize the simp in a way that that's never yeah. been done before right with yeah. only fans and, and you know influencers on instagram showing their butts and stuff it's like mm -hmm. they get so much attention from the simps and they don't realize like it's a it's a weird psychological thing too i'm not sure on the male side do they really think they're in a, a deep caring relationship with these women because they are pretty clear about this is a transactional relationship but mm -hmm. I, i'm not sure the males see it that way so it's kind well, of well there's gonna be a thing. percentage of the males that don't get it right yeah they don't get it or they're just maybe not really able to compartmentalize right uh, as much as they should yeah i, I don't really understand I, I say percentage but i that. mean like a small percentage i don't think that yeah. most of them i think most of them are treating only fans or anything like that like a regular uh, magazine subscription yeah right yeah but that magazine person can uh, maybe sometimes do what they want them to do in a photo shoot or something. Right. Right. Well, it's weird because there is an element of work that the women have to put into in order to maintain those subscriptions. And yeah, that is like forming relationships with with some of their simps, you know, yeah. uh, but like what line like you have to be able to have boundaries. Yeah, it's very hard. And I, like I wouldn't do it, you know. I really wouldn't be able to devote my time to doing that. So I guess, you know, if if you're a successful OnlyFans girl, more power to you. Right. <laughs> Honestly, right. What, you know, whatever. Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. It's like there probably is a lot of work that goes into to maintaining mm -hmm. that. And I do think like a lot of them are kind of flash in the pans, too, where it's like mm -hmm. maybe they make 400000 in one month. Maybe that's like really short lived. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. I think it, think about anything that we do. Like yeah. you're doing this creative endeavor uh, and you do want to put out some kind of persona to the public. Uh, yeah. And you're trying to maintain an amicable persona unless you're really not. But you are. You're not <laughs> unlikable. Right. <laughs> At least with us. You get off of of this and you go into some discord and you start throwing around a hammer i don't know right. i don't know i don't know i hope not but I'll just get code rage and go smash stuff on the beach <laughs> there you go there yeah you. um so so you're presenting and i'm presenting myself i end up like um completely harmless tweets i'll be in the middle of and then look at what i'm writing and delete it because yeah. it doesn't contribute really much to a positive or negative conversation yeah. uh, unless i absolutely mm -hmm. am just responding to somebody that i know so mm -hmm. i i edit myself and i pare myself down so that i, I just actually almost a, a non-entity by now maybe that's why i'm not popular <laughs> <laughs> but but no i'm joking about the non-entity part but like what we have to hustle and we're not doing anything where we're like bearing our flesh so to speak right we're making things, but we're not making saucy things. <laughs> and those ladies got to do the making and 
the faking relationships. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, difficult. What is it? Girlfriend experience? That's what they call it? That's it's, the escort type thing. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty weird. Yeah, it is weird. But it's kind of sad that we have this like amazing potential for what like our online lives or our online selves can be, but we have to spend it doing, you know, branding. Branding. I don't Brand. like it. Yeah. 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 Yet I yeah. have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> The internet could be amazing. I mean, it is amazing. It, it absolutely still is amazing. amazing it's it's magic and, and all that, but like it's all that, you know, commercialism. Okay. All right. So yeah. speaking of, <laughs> speaking of anyway. all that, that male, male flavored fantasy, there, there's this yeah. part of the story here, though, that drives me nuts. Uh-huh. <sighs> it's Colin going to America. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the chef? Uh, I don't know if he's the chef. Is he's he a the, chef? Or, He's the British dude who goes to America and meets Elijah Cuthbert and January Jones and right. other has- American girls in a bar. And then Shannon Elizabeth shows up at the end. And Denise Richards <laughs> shows up at the end and kisses a dude randomly. Like, no Texan <laughs> lady, unless she's super hot to trot, is going to do that. I don't, uh, I don't buy it. It, it is a, it is a weird subplot for sure, and he's probably one of the characters that's least connected to everyone too, right? Like, well, he's connected to Alan Rickman somehow. Oh, is he? And, oh, I, I missed. And that. he's also uh, so that's other. I don't know how. Uh, okay. I'm looking at a, a map here. Right. Um, okay. Professionally connected to Peter, the groom, and Kira Knightley. Okay. Uh, Juliet, the bride. Yeah. And um, that's. Oh, Tony did he, is... Did he cater their wedding? Uh, maybe. It just says, maybe? Chris Marshall travels to America. Tony is his buddy, who's played by Abdul Salas, and he's the director of the nude scenes. So oh, he's okay. the porno director. I and, got you. Uh, oh, my, Interesting. Oh, my God. <laughs> Martin Freeman and Judy Page are the nude stand-ins. So Tony gets kissed by Denise Richards. Just, hi, I'm from Texas, kiss. <laughs> what? <laughs> And Shannon Elizabeth, she's got like a mouth f- full of marbles or something. I can't understand her Texan drawl. <laughs> we live in Texas, and the Texan drawl mm-hmm. isn't like that at all. She must be from Dallas. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. Anyway, no, that, that whole story is just uh, FHM come to life. Maxim <laughs> Magazine. Right. A lad right. magazine. Yeah, that is, yeah, it is a very strange thing. And I'm sure there's probably been some... UK blokes who are like, I'm going to America. That's what happens. <laughs> well, no, it, 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 it is. Your uh, French, yeah. French, and well, actually, a lot. If you're slightly handsome and uh-huh. you have a different accent Got than accent. American dialects, yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Then the ladies over here think you're going to be um, interesting, at least. That's right. At least hold a, a good, flavorful conversation with a nice accent (laughs) (laughs) this movie is so funny to me because it's so beloved by especially women because you know it's this is this rom-com it's christmas like all the all the boys are cute and you know everything women love this movie so much yet it is full of so many male fantasies (laughs) that's a great observation yeah it's really funny are are we supposed to watch this movie and then like are these tips on how to be to get a man i don't know (laughs) it's a trojan horse yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah (laughs) bring him cookie bring him cookies right yeah there's an honest trailer about it and it's actually really quite um kind of on the nose about everything yeah oh i love Uh, i love that whole genre of 
honest trailers it's so funny yeah so like the uh, women bring them cookies don't be too chubby (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) it's it's like a a cheat sheet on how to catch a man yep yep (laughs) it's really funny so we mentioned the humbug earlier we did have a a contributor for grumpire to write a humbug on love actually i mean he picked it we don't assign these we say did yeah he did pick it decide what movie and then he did because his uh partner amanda loves this movie and i'm going on record i don't like his article jay (laughs) you hear this i don't like your article and you i've said this to you many times so this is directly you jay i don't like your article because you you soft swing at the end you're all like bull in a china shop i know that doesn't work because bulls are very careful in china shops i've seen this experiment but the metaphor bull in a china shop about most of it until the last sentence you're like but it's okay it's fine no (laughs) (laughs) if you're gonna say it stinks leave it right stick your stick to your guns yeah Yeah. there you go and he said it stinks for the whole article (laughs) until the very end that's hilarious yeah maybe he got on board with the male fantasies at the end something oh (laughs) actually i think he talked uh against denise richards at one point so i don't know about that he didn't mention (laughs) shannon elizabeth though that's interesting Hmm. Hmm. he did mention elijah cuthbert Ah, i think we're onto something he didn't mention (laughs) january jones or ivana malikovich those are the american girls in the bars but he mentions elijah cuthbert and denise richards those other girls hmm interesting interesting jay we're on to you i I think you just said sorority girls in general all right fine shannon elizabeth jay we got it (laughs) you know what's up you're hung up are you hung up on shannon elizabeth no jay jay is jay is that's what i'm implying i'm implying that jay is because he didn't mention her in the article in a disparaging way lb (laughs) see okay well his problem with the movie is the sprawling narrative and he thinks it's too long and could be cut some of the subplots could just be like removed and it would be fine i i kind of agree with that but also meh it's fine i've heard too that a lot of the subplots were more intertwined and connected but they had to like pare it down to so that you know it's already (laughs) a long movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah they should do a netflix five like a mini episode series. mini series like they did with hateful eight yeah which they could do that with love actually there yeah. you go. love is actually longer that's the name <laughs> of the series <laughs> <laughs> there you go so any any other things to mull over about love actually the christmas aspect of it you kind of were like nah not really but it's a major thing it, of it. it it is a major the more i think about it yeah the more the more major it is because everything centers around you know the song itself is a christmas song and they go to the christmas play at the end and i, I guess they could be other holidays that you that you substitute but i i don't know i, I just think it is pretty interwoven yeah, I do like the fact that the girl in the play is a Christmas lobster. I yes, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yeah, A lobster. Right. Yeah. I love how they threw that in there. So how high on your Christmas list is this as far as favorite Christmas movies go? Is it Ooh. number one? Is it super top? Is it? Yeah, it would probably be in my top five. I would say. Top five. Yeah. Mm. All right. Mm. It's always fun to watch around the holidays. Okay. Mm. Do you guys have a whole Christmas series that you guys do? That would be kind of interesting. I kind of curate through some of the holidays, like Christmas or or Halloween. And okay. They're always different. 
they're always they different yeah yeah um and i try to do the christmas not christmas movies like you know yeah uh, i come i come in peace is <laughs> right set during christmas yeah it's Dolph lundgren's <laughs> best movie ever and uh-huh. he's just so charming in it and he gets to be playful and fun mm-hmm. yeah i like the movie a lot i had a horrible idea that um probably will not come to fruition uh-huh. But I saw that the Hallmark Channel is making, <laughs> oh, no. or is the Hallmark Channel is releasing forty wow. original holiday movies this year, and they're they're starting to roll them out in October because there's forty of them. Wow! And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I watched all those movies <laughs> and like you know chronicled my experience? But um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to do that, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. that's interesting. It that is a fascinating genre in itself, too, right? Uh huh. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever seen, but there's a script generator for Hallmark Christmas movies. It's pretty funny. No, <laughs> what? It's yeah. It's like there's all these different you know parameters. It's it's almost like a a flow chart if you will it's like does uh-huh. you know a woman gets divorced at christmas time you know and then it goes over like yes no and yeah, i don't know it just walks oh, it down yeah. and it's like and when you look at it you're like yeah i think you could put every hallmark channel movie into this little <laughs> script generator and you would find you know what i mean but there's something wow. funny i mean they're sappy kind of movies but there's something like i don't know redeeming about them you know you feel mm-hmm. good at the end for some reason yeah. Ah, there was this one movie that we watched um, last year with Paul Walker and Penelope Cruz. Penelope. Uh-huh. And uh, I forget who the older actors were. Robin Williams was in it at one point. Um, uh-huh. Was that, was that Alan Noel. Arkin? Is that Alan Arkin? I'm not sure. It was called Noel. And that movie, the backstory on that movie is that uh, Amazon was doing this thing, this rental thing that they were doing where you rent the movie and then it self-destructs after you start watching it <laughs> in like two days or something it's mm-hmm. a disc Interesting. it gets sent to your house you put it on and then it just won't play after two days so you got those two days i don't know how the tech works or anything but that yeah. was the first maybe the only disc that they did that with it was a tryout so that's why that movie stuck in my head. I was like, Noel, why did they do this with this schmaltzy Christmas movie? It's not schmaltzy. It is a very dark movie. Yeah. But it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> There's suicide involved. There's, you know, sadness. And it's actually a, a Capra-esque, you know, darker Christmas movie. Interesting. But it doesn't look it. It looks golden and sparkly. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, Christmas movie. I don't know. I, th- I think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, and I think this one <laughs> that's is not. Uh, it, Love that's Actually is not a Christmas movie. That's hilarious. Movie. We're flipped on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I think they're both Christmas movies in their own oh, way. Oh, okay. But <laughs> I'm not serious. <laughs> that's, my, that's my top tier acting right there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you had me convinced. Yeah. <laughs> I'd give you the Oscar. <laughs> Thank you. I'd rather take the money, but okay. Yeah. So, uh, Christmas movies, they both are to me. Uh, I guess they are to you, LB. Yeah, I, I'm I'm lenient on that, though. Well, Someone mentions Christmas. If there's a character named Christmas, <laughs> like, yeah. So the, the Dumb only and thing, Dumber, okay, White here, Christmas, the, Dumb and Dumber. Yes, those are Christmas yes, movies. that's a Christmas movie. The only one that I will definitively say is not a Christmas movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas which I staunchly believe is a Thanksgiving movie. Mm. Mm. 
interesting. I think People it's appropriate like, to watch it during Thanksgiving. Yeah. Is and it, that's the most is appropriate it, point. Is it Halloween? It. Is it Christmas? Mm, it's a bridge neither. between. Yeah. Watch it on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I agree. Right. Anyway. So anyway. You, you think uh, one is not and one is Christmas. Yeah. Uh, anything else to dig into either? Actually, we're gonna call, we're gonna call you Christmas Coder. Christmas, Christmas Coder. oh, there we go. <laughs> no, you got anything else to add? I'm uh, I'm shining a bright light on your face. Right, <laughs> spill the beans, Coder. <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, and I have nothing else to add. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. Take that, internet. <laughs> <laughs> All the bro warriors will be after me. So. <laughs> yeah. She'll never be able to write for crack.com. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Andrew, how would you like talking to Cowboy Coder? Humbug! Humbug? Humbug! It's all about <laughs> Christmas garbage. Christmas this, Christmas that. But you're supposed to feel warm and, and full of love. At I'm feeling warm because I'm in South Texas. <laughs> full of love? Sure. Because you love me, oh. and, I, and I love you, but uh, it's Christmas. I, I, I think you're feeling warm because you're hot-headed. Yeah, a little bit. No, I'm not that hot-headed, but I mean, this was a weird episode because, like, Christmas in October. I mean, we've done something similar before. Not in October, a little later, but, like, this was a weird one. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> else to say it. It was strange. It was odd. It was weird. It's funny, the Christmas debate of Die Hard is still funny, mm-hmm. and we got to do a little bit of it. And had I not had a map for Love Actually, I would have been absolutely lost. And I mean, like, a, a map. Of, it's like the tube station in the UK or whatever, how to get here and there, or like, yeah, but of people. <laughs> <laughs> but of all the cast members and how they link. That was very helpful, or else I would have still been lost and I'd seen this film. So. <sighs> I don't know what else to say, man. Do you think people are going to be mad at us for hating Die Hard? I don't hate Die Hard. He didn't like Die Hard. (laughs) I didn't concede. I just am indifferent to Die Hard. I I don't hate it. I think some people might be mad at us because we called the villains terrorists. He's an ex-terrorist. They're allegedly not terrorists, even though it says terrorists. He was a terrorist that was kicked out of his terror group and went Uh rogue from them and decided to become a big old robber using the pretense of you guys are a corrupt business so we're gonna take from you guys and line our own pockets I guess that's not very <laughs> idealistic they're pretend terrorists I guess right pre-terrorists yeah. pretenderists I know that that's a hot button topic for some reason people get really mad if you call them terrorists hmm that's weird yeah because yeah. I think terrorists can also be thieves yeah yeah, I mean, so. they sure did terrorize that office building. And Blow it up. Make make John McClane terrorize us with his, his monologues. Stinky feet. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time talking to Cowboy Coder. He's a very friendly dude, and I appreciate his opinions on things. Yeah. So, where can we find this Cowboy Coder? He's on Twitter, Cowboy Coder TX. Hey, we didn't mention the Cowboy Coder used to live in Texas. But now he lives in Puerto Rico. Isn't yes. that fascinating? It's like a dream, right? But isn't that cool? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that people are moving 
to Texas from like California <laughs> uh-huh. and various places like that. They're moving to Texas, and the, this dude is like, eh, "I'm leaving Texas." I mean, I I know why he would want to. <laughs> so that winter was one of our discontent, indeed. So yeah, yeah. we shouldn't badmouth Texas because you know the eyes are upon us. Oh, scared. I'm scared of Texas. You're scared of Chuck Norris. <laughs> well, Chuck Norris never made no die hard. That's right. Also, Instagram, same name, Cowboy Coder TX. He's got a YouTube channel, of course, on Spotify, SoundCloud, like all these normal places <laughs> that you find music on the internet. He has a music video shot in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. of Code Rage, the titular yes. track. And he does do a song that's actually rather interestingly constructed with MC Lars. Mm -hmm. He mentions that in the show. So you should check it out if you like MC Lars. And you might end up liking Cowboy Coder. And so I suppose that's it. Yes? Yes, that's it. So we should go trick-or-treating now. Are you ready? Merry Christmas, everyone! (laughs) Happy Halloween! Evil!